Hey guys, welcome back to the I Love Talking podcast and welcome back to week two of I Love Talking Nutrition. If you haven't caught that first episode with Simply Seasonal, I highly recommend it. We get into some great stuff and it's a, it was absolutely a great way to kick off the series. In this week's episode, we're getting into the nitty gritty about ingredients, package labels, everything that you need to know to be not just a smarter shopper, but a healthier shopper at that. So if you haven't already, you can head over to my Instagram and follow me at I Love Talking Pod. Or if you have any questions or inquiries, you can message me at I Love Talking Podcast at gmail.com. I hope you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of I Love Talking. I hope your week has been so amazing. I hope 2021 is treating you so much more kindly than 2020 ever did. Maybe it was awesome for some of you and and that's that's awesome. That's great. But I'm so excited because we are on week two of our little mini series. I love talking nutrition. Guys, if you have not checked out episode one of this series with Simply Seasonal, I sat down with Megan McGill and Kara Miller, and we just talked nutrition. We talked eating seasonally. I don't want to give it away because that episode is just jam-packed with such great and viable information about how to take care of our bodies, what kind of foods to eat, um, and just being mindful of you know, what we're eating. Health is so important, and I have always said that health is the one thing that people can never take away from you. You are solely in control of your health. So I was really excited to do today's episode because this is something that affects us all. If you are somebody that goes grocery shopping, then this is the episode for you today. I wanted to talk about that little sticker on the back of our cans, our boxes, guys, the nutrition labels. I want to talk about reading the labels and actually being mindful and having an educated stance when we are reading these labels. Too often, we have ailments in our bodies, whether our stomachs are hurting or our bones are hurting, or there's something off. And more than likely, depending on the situation, it's due to the foods that we're putting into our body. Also too often, we're not reading what's on the back of those packages. We're given the macros, right? We're given the calories and the sugar and the fat and the sodium, all of those things. But then we're also given the ingredients, right? I think sometimes we are looking a little too closely at the calories when we should be scooting just a little bit down and looking at those ingredients. Now, everything is important. Everything is good information on our foods, but you've got to know what you're eating. And you've got to know, if you want to get better, you've got to know how to read, right? You've got to learn how to read what's on the back of those packages. So that is what today's episode is going to be all about, reading the labels. And I'm so excited. If you hear page flipping, um, I just have so much good, awesome 
information to give you guys, some awesome data that I think that's really going to help you on your nutritional journey or help someone else. So let's jump right into it. So as we all know, the FDA is responsible for labeling. The FDA is the Food and Drug Administration. So any label you see, they're basically in charge of that. But something that's very interesting, and even on my health journey that I've noticed, is that a lot of the ingredients in the United States, it differs from that of other countries such as Europe. And Europe is such a big example because they're our next door neighbors. Um, Even when I went to Europe, the food tastes so much more different. It tastes better and it tastes fresher. And I always wondered why that was. And to find out, there were other people saying these things like, yeah, the food in Europe is like so much better than the U.S. To find out a lot of the ingredients that we continue to use in the United States, it is banned in Europe. What's crazy is like the answers are right in front of our face. We have to look and we got to see what's in our food and we have to make a decision in that moment. Do I want to put this in my body? Because at the end of the day, you can't blame it on the FDA or you can't blame it on your parents because, you know, when you're a child, you eat what they give you. But as you get older, you are responsible and it's right there, right? It's right in front of our face. And if you notice for like the simplest things like bread or jam or anything simple, cereal, There's like a laundry list of ingredients going on there. And I'm thinking, isn't bread like three to four ingredients? Why is there 10 things in here? And we're going to get into it. Um, We're going to talk about all that stuff. And it's going to be a good episode. So buckle in, get ready. Um, I hope that all the information in here, it it helps you. It helps your journey and it it helps your, your health. And that's why... That is why I wanted to pursue this this mini series on this podcast. All right, so I wanted to kind of start off with a little comparison, a little side by side. I mentioned earlier that the U.S. ingredients differ very, very greatly than Europe, and we're gonna see that right now. So this was taken from the Food Babe. She's on Instagram. She also has a blog as well. She's awesome because she takes foods and she compares it with other countries and she breaks down basically the differences in our foods. So a big example, like I said, this is taken from the food babe, is McDonald's fries. And I hate to step on toes. Sorry, y'all. McDonald's fries is not the best for you. I think we already know McDonald's really isn't that good for you, but we don't really know exactly how it's being made, how it's being cooked. So I want to start off, we're going to compare McDonald's fries in the United States versus McDonald's fries in the United Kingdom. So in the UK, just a few ingredients, right? You got potatoes cooked in vegetable oil, dextrose, which is just a simple sugar made from corn, and then salt. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, McDonald's fries awesome. Well, when we compare those ingredients to the U.S. ingredients, the difference is staggering. And I'm going to read them to you right now. So 
U.S. fries for McDonald's is made with canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, hydrogenated soybean oil, natural beef flavor, sodium acid pyrophosphate, and the final ingredient, which is so crazy, but it's dimethyl polysiloxane. And this ingredient is the main ingredient to make silly putty, you know, that sticky stuff that your children or your friends' kids or whoever they play with and everyone's into, you know, squishy stuff now. It's the main, that's the main ingredient for silly putty. And here in the United States, we're eating that food. We're consuming it like it's nothing. And our kids are eating it. Everyone's eating it. I mean, it's just a convenient, quick, fast food, right? But this is what is going into our body. And not to mention all the oils like canola, corn, soybean oil. When oils are synthetically made, when it's not a natural process done by the earth, you don't want to put that into your body because the body doesn't always recognize the complex compounds that are going into your body. So it's got to work harder to figure out how to digest that food. And this side-by-side comparison is just so crazy. And it's astonishing that we are still allowing this, that this is okay, when most of these ingredients are banned in Europe and we're still using it. And I found this quote and I think it's really beneficial to what we're talking about today. It's from the Picky Eater blog and they say, quote, most of what we eat is not real food. It has become so processed, it is more of a food-like substance, unquote. A food-like substance. It doesn't even get the nice name of just food anymore. It's just a substance. And that's kind of scary. Yet we we say it's okay. The food on, on the shelves at the grocery stores, like Pop-Tarts and like I mentioned earlier, cereals and stuff like that, it's dead food. When you consume dead food, you're going to feel dead, right? What you put in is also what comes out. And as opposed to eating nutritious and living and thriving food, which makes you feel those things, the same thing goes with those dead foods. You're going to kind of feel sluggish and lethargic and no energy whatsoever because of what you're eating. So now I go to my next topic. And this is such a big thing in foods that we know about it, but I don't think we pay enough attention to it. But it's preservatives. Preservatives in all of our food. So I'm going to break it down for you with preservatives. Preservatives equal longer shelf life for the food. But longer shelf life can also mean higher health risks potential higher health risks. That is something to really pay attention to when we are eating. We use preservatives because let's say if we are getting a food shipped from another country, a lot of times foods don't survive the journey. So in order to save money, we have preservatives to preserve the shelf life, but yay, that's great, you know, we can eat this food and we don't have to throw it away. For every advantage, there's a disadvantage. And I'm going to break down to you the top five bad preservatives to look out for in our food. So the first one is sodium nitrite 
and sodium nitrate. Now, this particular preservative is used to preserve meat, but also give it its vibrant color. But the downside to that is these processed meats like bacon, salami, turkey, anything packaged and processed, it's a potential risk for cancer. And there have been studies shown people who have a predominantly meat-driven diet also gain the risk of having cancer as opposed to people who are predominantly vegetable-driven and, you know, basically things that come from the earth. So that's the first one, sodium nitrite and sodium nitrate. So look out for that. Um, the second one is BHA and BHT. Now, BHA stands for beta-hydroxy acid, and BHT stands for butylated hydroxytoluene. Now, these are really big words, but in short, it's BHA and BHT. These particular ingredients, they're preservatives, and you'll see it in stuff like the Special K cereal. I know Special K uses BHT for freshness, right? It says BHT for freshness, but you kind of get thrown off because you see the word fresh, right? You're like, oh, okay, that should be fine. No, no, no. BHA and BHT are potential carcinogenics. On top of that, they're also hormone disrupting. And in the state of California, BHA and BHT is considered a carcinogen. So they don't even use it. Yet here in Texas, which is where I am, we still use it. And if you notice a theme here, a lot of these ingredients comes from a governmental standpoint, right? You know, all of the things, all of the ingredients, the government ultimately decides what goes in, right? The FDA is in charge of labeling, like I mentioned earlier, and we're just kind of letting it, letting them do what they want. So that's why we need more people to rise up and be like, hey, people even have claimed to say that this is a form of child abuse, right? Um, to some that may sound extreme, but when you see what these harsh chemicals are being put into our children's bodies and then you see the long-lasting disrupting effects to them, it almost can be, right? So BHA, BHT, look out for it. It's there and it's on the labels. Turn it around. Um, the third preservative that's really bad you got to look out for is potassium bromate. Now, this preservative is an interesting one. It's used to increase the volume in bread. So like rolls or normal bread loaves, stuff like that. It's what gives it its height and its expansion. But because of that, potassium bromate has also been shown to cause cancer in animals. As a result of that, it's been banned in Europe, Canada, and many other countries. It's also endocrine disrupting. What? And we're still using this? It's, it's crazy. Um, the fourth preservative, and this one I think we know more popularly, but it's high fructose corn syrup. And high fructose corn syrup, it's a refined sweetener made from cornstarch, but it also can act as a preservative. On top of that, high fructose corn syrup can contribute to weight gain, cardiovascular disease, arthritis, insulin resistance, elevated triglycerides, and LDL cholesterol. Now, there are two types of cholesterol. There's LDL, which is bad cholesterol, and there's good cholesterol, which is HDL. It's the opposite. 
LDL's bad, guys. Um, that shouldn't be happening. And with high fructose corn syrup, that's what's going on in the body. And then the fifth and final horrible preservative are trans fats and or hydrogenated vegetable oils. Now, these are things that have other names such as shortening, partially hydrogenated, soy, palm, corn, all of those oils. That's what that is. And how that process is created is that these oils are blasted with hydrogen until it becomes a solid. So in turn, what happens is you get a long shelf life, but it's not just for a couple weeks or even a couple months. I mean like a long shelf life for years, like food that you can probably eat in two years. That's a little concerning to me. On top of that, it raises your LDL cholesterol, which we just found out is the bad cholesterol, while also lowering your good cholesterol, the HDL cholesterol. Trans fats and hydrogenated vegetable oils contribute to heart disease, obesity, strokes, and increased risks of metabolic syndromes. That needs to be one of the largest wake-up calls. And guys, it's right there. Like the title of this episode, read the labels. Don't put this into your body. It is not good for you. As we continue, so now we've talked about the preservatives. Now, there's also dyes in food, right? You have the artificial dyes in things like chips and sodas and cereal. And then ketchup, right? Ketchup is loaded with sugar. And you can find ketchup in almost any restaurant Um, Obviously, any grocery store, I mean, ketchup is everywhere. It is like the main condiment. It's loaded with high fructose corn syrup, which we just found out contributes to the weight gain and the cardiovascular disease and arthritis and the insulin and the cholesterol. It contributes to all of that. As we know, in the UK, you have non-GMO in the UK. So we see that their governments have taken the stance when it's come to health and food compared to the U.S., that, okay, there's a problem here and we need to take care of it. And I believe it always comes from a governmental standpoint. Like I said, we have to have that voice, right, to combat this major food problem in the United States. A phrase that I think is really great, and this is a phrase that is endorsed by Whole Foods, and it is just this. It is a consumer's right to know what they are eating, endorsed by Whole Foods. So if you've never been to Whole Foods, it can be quite expensive because most of their food and products are organic, are non-GMO, or better. Um, It is pricey though, but it's a consumer's right to know. You deserve to know what is going into your body. You deserve to know what you're consuming and to make a decision on what you want to do. So we've talked about preservatives, we've talked about artificial dyes, we've talked about ingredients, right? I want to go into organic. And this might help your pocket a little bit because I think when we hear the word organic, we're like, okay, like everything has got to be organic. Like if I go to the store, every food I buy has got to be an organic product. That is not always the case. So I took the liberty of figuring out, all right, what foods do we need to buy that are organic? 
And what are some foods that we don't need to buy that are organic? And it's quite simple, but I want to break down 12 foods for you that you can be on the lookout that you should definitely buy organic. So what happens is when food is grown due to the practices, if it's not an organic practice, there's a greater risk that the absorption of pesticides or other chemicals are seeping into your food. So these are the top 12 foods that you want to be on the lookout when you're at the grocery store and you definitely, definitely want to buy organic. So number one on the list is strawberries. And this is the most pesticide contaminated food. It's strawberries. Um, The second one is spinach. Spinach contains pesticides in high concentrations of permethrin, which is a neurotoxin. And what this does, it may cause eye, skin, nose, and throat irritation, as well as breathing problems. So breathing problems, right? We're still in a pandemic and COVID affects the respiratory system as we have found out. So be mindful of these pesticides. The third one you want to buy is kale as organic. When kale is not bought organically, it has pesticides and it has this thing called DCPA, which is also ductthal, and it is an ingredient that is banned in Europe by the Environmental Protection Agency, and it is a potential carcinogen. Crazy. <laughs> Number four on the top 12 foods list that you should definitely buy organic are nectarines. Number five is apples. Number six are grapes. Seven are peaches. Eight are cherries. Number nine are pears. Ten is tomatoes. Eleven is celery. And twelve is potatoes. What is the common theme tying all of these things together in which we have to buy these foods organically? Well, of course, they all have thin skin layers. That is your biggest, biggest giveaway. When a food has a thin skin layer that you can peel easily or even bite into, like we just mentioned an apple, because it's so thin, there's a greater chance that those pesticides are going to be absorbed. Those other chemicals are going to be absorbed. So these are the foods that you want to buy organic. Now, there are avocados that are sold organically, that's not recommended to buy organic. You can just buy normal. It has a pretty thick enough layer or skin that it's going to be okay. Um, But definitely these 12, be on the lookout when you're at the grocery store. Another big term is non-GMO. So GMO stands for genetically modified organism. So we tend to want to go towards foods that are non-GMO, but there's kind of gray area here. When we say non-GMO, it doesn't always mean that it's completely eradicated, right? That the GMO is completely eradicated. Unless it says USDA organic certified, it is not GMO. So foods like alfalfa, canola, corn, papaya, soy, sugar beet, zucchini, summer squash, and even potatoes, apples, and salmon... They need to be organic. They need to not just have the non-GMO label. 
we have got to make sure that they have the USDA organic certified label. And that's how we're going to know for sure that our food is not a genetically modified organism. So you heard all of this information, all the ingredients, the comparisons, the nutritional facts. What do you do? What are some things you can do to be a smarter shopper and also a healthier one at that? Well, the first thing you can do is to self-advocate. Do your research. Don't just take somebody's word for it or your friend's word for it or whatever. Always make sure that you go online or you find a reliable source that is stating, hey, yeah, this is what this says or this is what's in this food and do your research. You can easily go to the store, turn um, a box of cereal over, look in the ingredients. I always say if you can't pronounce the ingredient, you probably shouldn't be putting it into your body. Always double check. You never know. It could be really bad for you. We all have smartphones, right? Most of the world does, especially in the U.S. Get on your phone. Research it. It's so quick and easy. And if you find something you don't like, you can make a decision right then and there what you want to do. The second biggest thing that you can do when it comes to all of this information is educate others. Educate your children, right? We want to be healthy. Everyone wants to be healthy. And like I said, you are in control of it. And it's something nobody can ever take away from you. When it comes to our kids, you've got to raise them how to love nutritious foods. When I started losing weight, and I think when a lot of people start to go on diets and stuff like that, they think in their mind that they have to give up so much food. When at the end of the day, it's like you're not giving up anything. You are gaining so much more. You're gaining living food, right? As opposed to the dead foods that we talked about earlier. And you can do something as simple with your kids. If you're struggling to feed your kids healthy foods, you got to get them included. You know, get them cooking with you in the kitchen. Let them see all the work and effort it takes putting into a nice home cooked meal. When they cook with you and then they sit down and eat it, that is their work that they can be proud of. Let them do something as simple as make salads with you. Salads are fun, they're colorful, and they're such a great way to get so many awesome, amazing, and nutritious foods into the body. When a child makes their own salad, you can eat it with them, and they're going to mimic you. So if you're sitting there like hating, you know, celery and hating salads, they're probably going to hate it too, because everything you do, they're going to mirror. So be mindful. You're an example for them. And the final thing that you can do is simply turn the package around. I can't stress it enough, guys. Read your labels. It is right there in front of you. And you cannot blame anybody else for the ailments that you may have. Because whenever we eat food, whenever we go to the grocery store, we are making a decision in that moment. Okay? I'm going to put this in my body. I'm going to do this. I might have consequences later, but it's cool. No, you you want to take care of it right now. Turn that package around. It is so important that health becomes a priority in this country and around the world, but mostly the United States. Texas is has been dubbed one of the fattest states in the U.S., 
obesity has become kind of this epidemic in itself. Like anything in life, it starts with you. And I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and I hope you take all of the information that I have given you and you can take it and run with it. You can live a healthier, better life. I've always told people, you know, especially now because we're still in the new year, people want to start over. They want to eat better. They want to feel better. And food is such a great way to start. When I started losing weight, I didn't have to hit the gym yet for me to see the pounds fall off. It started with food. It started with what I was putting into my body and how much of it. And it was so simple. And when you start eating these living foods, you're going to feel alive again. Take it from somebody who was almost 300 pounds at one point to feel and see a noticeable difference in my my skin and um and how I breathe. I mean, food is life and food is enjoyable and I promise you're not giving up anything. So take all of these things, share it with a friend. Someone out there needs to hear this and they need help. And sometimes we need a helping hand and I hope I've broken it down for you. I know I have to the best of my ability, but guys, I hope that you stay happy, that you stay healthy. I hope you have an amazing week ahead of you. I, like I always hope, I hope that, I hope that what I speak to you continues to encourage you. So guys, I leave you with this. I hope you find what you love love what you do and always 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 put that love back into the world i can't wait to catch you guys next week for our third installment in this i love talking nutrition series and i hope you have an amazing rest of your day bye guys